So I think what really helped me as, you know, an Asian American, a Korean American who knew that I wanted to be in the arts was to look for people who were doing things that I wanted to do. Like, you know, for slam poets, finding people of color, finding Asian American slam poets, for playwriting, uh, finding people, finding like, you know, a theater, East West Players in Los Angeles that centers Asian American voices. You know, and that can just be as easy as going on like YouTube and typing in like Asian American, you know, slam poets or something. And I think that was really empowering for me, right? Because then I was like, oh, like, see, like people like me can do this too, you know, like, and it's amazing because it's really, I think it feels really special to hear, to just like hear stories from people who are like you, right? Listening to Chief Executive Ante, the podcast exploring the work lives of Asian Americans beyond the conventional doctor, lawyer, and engineer. I'm your host, Jennifer Duan Faltz. I began my creative work relatively recently. Sure, I'd always enjoyed art class as a kid, and I did spend a lot of time on the computer, first designing newsletters and then galloping around Internet 1.0 unsupervised, building websites and making these truly astounding collages in Photoshop, but I never thought I could make any of it into a career. And look at me now, publishing newsletters and building websites. (laughs) Go figure. My guest today, on the other hand, was named Los Angeles County Youth Poet Laureate, signed a book deal and published a book of poetry, wrote original plays, performed with the group Queer Wise, and produced an award-winning short film, all before matriculating at Harvard Class of 2024. Gee, when I was 18 years old, I spent most of my time feeling sad that boys weren't interested in me and trying to comfort myself with various Bible studies. Whoops. Well, fortunately, creativity can find us at any age. Anyway, please welcome my guest today, Sophie Kim. Um, So I usually start by asking uh, what a typical day looks like for my podcast guests, but I don't know. Is there any such thing as a typical day for you now? Um, A typical day for me... uh... Not really. Uh, you <laughs> Maybe know, pre-COVID, of, what, a parti- what a normal day was. Yeah, well, I mean, so um, I'm Sophie Kim, and um, I uh, was actually taking a gap year this year. So um, as far as normal schedule, I think uh, ever since, I guess, graduating from high school in 2019, I've sort of uh, been making my own schedule. And um, that's involved like going to writing workshops, um, sort of, uh, I was going to go to France, but that didn't happen because of coronavirus. But um, I guess, I guess there's no real daily schedule for me, besides like when I was going to school. But I think I'm really excited uh, to like be going to college in literally like three weeks and kind of figuring out um, while doing like Zoom online learning, but on campus in a new environment, like how to create new schedules and like new routines and uh, things like that. So, yeah, um, that's yeah. interesting. Uh, what inspired you to take a gap year? Um, I was really inspired to take a gap year because I think I had kind of realized that during high school, I had had a lot of really like cool experiences in like creative writing and theater and performance. Um, and I really wanted to do more of that um, before going to college and also to just kind of gain some more like real world experience and like to meet other people and like just kind of do that and uh, I think I also just really wanted to kind of 
get away from like the really, I wanted to be in a different environment besides an academic one, which turned out really well. So yeah. Yeah. I think the gap year is underrated. I feel like at least, or maybe in like Asian American communities, people are like, oh, mm-hmm. why are you taking a gap year? Go yeah. straight to college. Go, st- I'd, go straight to grad school. I, I mean, I wish I had taken more time between, certainly between college and grad school. Um, mm-hmm. I went straight through from kindergarten to it was like 17 years of school, 18. Oh gosh. Wow. That's amazing. And by the time I was done, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired. I'm wait, now I have to get a real job. Like, yeah, I don't think we give ourselves enough time um, to rest. Mm-hmm. Were your parents supportive of this idea? Yeah, my parents were super supportive. I think even before I started applying for colleges, like they were like, you're going to do this. And I, I, I wanted to as well. But they were like, definitely they were like, you know, in terms of just like taking time for yourself, um, exploring other, you know, things you didn't get to explore, like outside of the classroom. They were like, they kind of knew before I sort of did that it would be like good for me um, and that I'd really enjoy it. And I guess try a lot of new things that I didn't think I would. And yeah, like as, as you were saying, like, I think maybe in like Asian American communities, you know, maybe due to the whole like pressure, like for academics, which is not just a thing in Asian American communities, but um, you know, I think, uh, I think definitely I would recommend it, especially like if you were sort of like in a high pressure, like academic environment or just felt like you kind of had to um, like, there were some things you didn't get to explore. And my parents understood that. So they were like, yeah, like we definitely want you to not go into like college, which is a really great opportunity, you know, um, in itself. They were like, we don't want you to go in and then feel like, oh, you know, um, I can't like fully enjoy myself because there were other things I wish I'd done beforehand. So. Yeah. And it sounds like, though, you've already explored a lot of different interests between playwriting and performing and poetry, um, and you're very accomplished in all of those things. (laughs) Um, I'd love to hear about your experience as uh, the L.A. County Youth Poet Laureate. I didn't know there was a thing called a Youth Poet Laureate, but I'm very glad there is. Oh, sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I served as um, the 2018-2019 Los Angeles County Youth Poet Laureate, which is a uh, position that was created by Urban Word Los Angeles, which is actually there. There's like multiple branches. There's also an Urban Word in New York um, and they do like a New York uh, City Poet Laureate Program, New York Poet Laureate Program. I'm pretty sure I'm not certain, though, (laughs) but essentially it's the position is based on poetry and uh, civil community service as well. Basically, it was just like an application um, and I submitted like poems, but also um, activism that I had done. And it was really exciting. I was not expecting to get it. I was like, oh, like, okay. um, What? (laughs) Yeah, like, no, I was really excited, but I was also like, oh my, like, this is a lot of responsibility, right? Yeah, I was really excited because I, during my time as Poet Laureate, I actually was really lucky to be able to work with a lot of different social justice organizations, including, for example, I live in Los Angeles, obviously, the Los Angeles LGBT Center, they're a Mm -hmm. great resource. And I was able to perform a poem in uh, support of one of their sort of uh, events. And the Los Angeles County Commission on Human Relations had done a gala, kind of like um, celebrating Los Angeles activists. And so I like opened that ceremony. And it was really inspiring because, you know, of course, I'm like, really excited to like write new poems, but also because I uh, got to meet like a lot of other really inspiring activists, especially like local activists. And that kind of helped me sort of imagine like, oh, maybe I could like be one of these people one day, you know? Mm. So it was a really great, you know, opportunity um, to kind of just learn more about 
like what other people were doing in the world as well. And also just to kind of give people a little bit of hope or like encouragement in their lives. Cause I think that like due to many factors and a lot of poems, I wanted to give people hope because it's like as an activist, sometimes it can be kind of exhausting to be constantly fighting yeah. like, all these different issues. And I was like, well, with art, you know, we can just uplift people. Like that's something really powerful that artists can do. So that was another really exciting thing got to do. Yeah, that is really cool. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I would always love hearing about different people's writing process. Can you tell me yeah. a little bit about yours? Okay, you- sure. So what is my writing process like? It's, <laughs> it's funny because um, it's, it's like, it's horrible. I have no <laughs> writing process. Um, I mean, I think that I get really inspired by like other poets that I really love. Spoken word poets like, I don't know, Andrea Gibson, the rich, well, Um, Ocean Vong is not a, well, uh, he's, I don't think he's a spoken word poet, but there's a lot of different poets that really inspire me. I guess also, uh, especially if I'm writing like a slam poem, I kind of write with an audience in mind, you know, Mm -hmm. like, for example, like, if I were to write a poem for like today, like that would be, I'd perform tomorrow, like on Zoom, Um, I'd probably be like, okay, like, we're all sort of feeling a bit horrible right now, like due to the pandemic, you know, people are struggling with a lot of things. Well, what would people need, you know, like what would make us all feel a little bit better or like, you know, what would help us like deal with our feelings. So um, I think when I'm writing, I kind of think of how to create like a sort of a space for people to kind of like sit in for a while, especially if, you know, I think it's, it's really special when people, are all able to watch something together. And in the moment, I think um, something really, really cool happens. And I'm always sort of trying to uh, strive for that. So. Okay. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a poet. I appreciate poetry, mm-hmm. but I have no very little experience writing it. I'm curious with like spoken word. Do you like s- say it to yourself as you're writing? I, and because it, because it is meant to be spoken out loud. Kind of, I'm just curious, like, do you, rehearse it I guess yeah so like what's it like do I say it out loud like how do I rehearse slam poetry in particular I mean I think I think when I'm writing a poem I think I definitely do think like lots of people like you know people are going to hear this it should sound good you know like um sort of it's sort of a different it's special in that way I think I do think about I guess I like I wish I was one of those people who has said all of poetry like in their house and like practicing all the time um sometimes I'm just like scared people will judge me so I'm like I'm just going to whisper this now um but (laughs) yeah because I've heard that I know some poets I really admire do do that and like I think that's really cool I think I do Yeah, I guess I do kind of like, I do definitely think like, you know, what would be like really fun to watch? Like what would be really interesting? Because it is theater. It's like really in that medium. So yeah, like, because there's, there is the writing aspect, but there's also the performance aspect and they're related, but they're not exactly the Mm -hmm. same. I did theater kind of badly (laughs) in high school. (laughs) I also went to high school in the Midwest where ideas about diversity and representation were not. Yeah super progressive and so on so when I'm like why are the two Asians who do theater why are they being cast in the like 1800s Welsh village interesting because we have black hair because that's a really bad reason interesting (laughs) interesting interesting yeah yeah like that Uh, it's kind of strange um 
what do you, how do you hope to continue creating during and beyond college, if you can imagine beyond college yet? Mm -hmm. How do I imagine creating in college and beyond? I think I'd really love to be a playwright, dramaturg, artistic director of like, um, oh gosh, like I really admire like the ART in Boston, New Dramatists, the National Theater, Soho Rep. I don't know. Like these are just like a lot of theaters, like uh, Pasadena Playhouse actually in Los Angeles um, and East West Players. They are amazing. East West Players is actually a theater um, that focuses on Asian American theater and voices. So I'd really love to like just kind of, you know, write plays for and like be creating show, curating um, shows and seasons for theaters, especially theaters that are really a lot of those really focus on like centering um diverse voices and i really love that because mm -hmm. that's all i care about writing um and like we need that right so i think i would really love to be in the position to kind of be creating more like artistic programming and like sort of giving a uh, voice to like younger um new artists um and sort of fostering collaboration in the theater world especially among like historically underrepresented groups um i think i would love to be a full-time artist and you know do be touring and like performing poetry and like theater and and uh and putting on plays and musicals I think that would be like the ideal and I think that was sort of something that I was sort of grappling with you know it's like after college like I would love to make in a life that centers art but like how <laughs> could I do that like that's sort of something I'm thinking about so yeah and I mean that that's that's the challenge I think for everybody whether whether they're creative or not is like where how do I have a fulfilling life how do I pay the yeah. bills you know and I feel like I feel like the latter is getting harder and harder mm. and harder um and I mean there's no there's no easy answer mm -hmm. <laughs> I've in you know I've met freelancers who that is their full-time thing and they want to yeah. or they want to make it their full-time thing and it's hard and for some and for some people it's worth it and some people are like okay it's fine mm -hmm. I'm gonna go back to you know employment and that's okay yeah. too and then I've and very interestingly um I've also met some people who basically they work to feed their passion I mm. guess is, is kind yeah. of a cliche yeah. way to put it but like you know their you know their creative work their their novel their poetry their screenwriting uh -huh. whatever their painting whatever it is like that's their that's their priority yeah. and then they do like whatever else it takes to sure. get enough money to support right. that I mean that's kind of how I do uh -huh. it cool um you know I have a couple I have a couple corporate clients mm -hmm. that I write for it's boring. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's boring. Uh -huh. It's not, um, in, it's really not interesting, uh -huh. but it's also not difficult mm -hmm. and it pays really nice. well. So I yeah. kind of like balance it out That's that cool. way. Um, I also have a spouse who has really good health insurance from their job. So, nice. um, so that, that helps too. So, I mean, it's just having a support network and, and I guess just knowing what you want mm -hmm. is helpful and, and also being willing to like, change what that looks like or adjust what that looks like I think I had a hard time with that because I would be like oh if I can't have this thing my dream exactly the way I want it to then I'm going to mm. give up and I've had to learn to do that yes <laughs> I feel that a lot do, do you know what you're going to major in I know you probably get asked that all the aunties and uncles are probably asking what's your major um but do, are you going to study um are you going to study poetry or something creative at Harvard? What am I going to study at Harvard? Um, <laughs> I mean, I think I'm definitely, I think I'm really excited for theater, 
sort of like theater performing arts concentration that I'm really interested in. I think their English department is really amazing. And the women, gender and sexuality department, I've also heard some really amazing things. And I know some really great people in all those departments. Those are the things I've always cared about. Like, I'm really excited to explore those. But I think that, you know, I'm really excited to also just like try totally like different things like I feel like that's sort of a little scary why would I you know like I could fail oh no you know but like I think that's really exciting it would sort of it would be sort of boring to just stick with the same things I've always loved and done you know I really want to try different things I think that it'll just be it'll be really interesting to see what happens yeah go in undecided even though even though you know what you're interested go in undecided I thought that would be a lot of fun and I wish I wish I had explored I wish I had done a lot of things, (laughs) but most, but mostly Mm -hmm. just explored and also had more fun. Mm -hmm. I was a lame college student. I was very lame. Um, Although it'll be interesting with like, as you said, you're taking, as you said, all the classes are virtual, at least for this semester, but you're going to be on campus still. Yeah. I'm going to be on campus, uh, you know, staying in dorms, but all the um, classes are done remotely through Zoom. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I think I thought Harvard, I thought, isn't Harvard one of the first ones to go to that? I think they to decide that they were going to do all virtual. I I thought I remember hearing that. Uh, I'm not sure. I think a lot of colleges have been doing a sort of sort of a similar like some like reduced density campuses, which is like some kids come on and some kids have to stay home. And like, I guess some classes might be in person, but I think everyone's sort of switching to virtual now, but like, I don't know what everyone's doing. Yeah. Um, I live in a college town. And so like when school starts, the town population basically doubles. Um, So we're a little nervous just because, because we've been doing pretty Uh well with, we've been doing, keeping things pretty well under control, but now like literally the population's about Mm -hmm. to double and we're like, we'll just see what happens I yeah guess. <laughs> I mean I think definitely definitely they've uh I think they're trying to kind of limit um yeah because like of course that's like a big uh you know big question for like the residents of whatever town like has you know the institution like the people who live in Cambridge um I think they're definitely telling us like um trying to get us to essentially like not you know like stay within the 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 college as much as possible uh, because Mm -hmm. there's also this a whole other community like it's not just the college so I think they're definitely like encouraging us to be like prudent and like not like unnecessarily put others at risk so yeah I just talked to one of my friends who one of her friends is supposed to start is lives in Taiwan oh, cool. is supposed to start college in the states, uh-huh. um, oh, but yeah. that college is now doing all virtual. Oh, so no. she's like, I'm just gonna stay in mm-hmm. Taiwan and do my classes yeah. virtually. I'm like, but doesn't that mean you'll be doing classes at like four? Right? <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah, I think definitely that was something that that Harvard, uh, as well as a lot of other colleges, were sort of dealing with. Like, we have so many. When everybody yeah. goes home, it's like. Yeah, different time zones, yeah, different expectations. I mean, Lots of students have things definitely, going on at home yeah. that make it it's chaotic. really complicated. So yeah, but. well, good luck. Best wishes Thank for you. that. I hope. I hope you. I hope. I. I hope, and I do trust that you're going to have a good experience. It might not be, might not be what you imagined at first, but I think you are wise <laughs> and mature enough to to get something wonderful out oh, of thanks. it. Do you have any advice for Asian Americans, particularly young people who are interested in creative career, creative life? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, Let me think. This is a good question. I like it. I guess my advice, if, you know, being Asian American, I think that there's, um, 
I think, you know, it varies. I think personally for me, I, my parents didn't, um, I mean, my mom's a doctor and my dad's a lawyer, which you would think, you know, oh, they'd be like, you're going to go into STEM now, you know, but actually they were not like that. Um, they were super like, also I was like, I, I cannot see blood. Like I, I can't do this. I'm sorry guys. Like, you know, but they, they knew that and they were super supportive of me. And of course, like not everyone's like that, you know, not all parents are like that. And I'm really lucky in that way. But I think that's something that I found was that, you know, as someone who is really loves uh, poetry and uh, slam poetry and playwriting and also filmmaking um, and sort of all these like different uh, visual and performing arts, something that was really important to me was seeing role models and finding people that were doing things that I one day hoped to do because I think sometimes it can be hard. Like, uh, who's there's this quote. It's really hard to become something and visualize becoming something if there's no one before you that you can look up to. So I think what really helped me um, as, you know, an Asian American, a Korean American who knew that I wanted to be in the arts was to look for people who were doing things that I wanted to do. Like, you know, for slam poets, um, finding uh, people of color, finding Asian American slam poets, um, for playwriting, uh, finding people, finding like a theater, East West Players in Los Angeles that centers Asian American voices. You know, and that can just be as easy as going on like YouTube and typing in like Asian American, you know, slam poets or something. Um, and I think that was really empowering for me, right? Because then I was like, oh, like, see, like people like me can do this too, you know, like, and it's amazing because it's really, I think it feels really special to hear hear stories from people who are like you, right? Like, that's just very like wholesome. So I would recommend that just kind of knowing that there are role models and people out there who have done it before you, um, no matter what you want to do, if, you know, if it's in the arts or something else and kind of seeking out those people. I think I used to really think that I had to kind of write in a certain style or like talk about certain topics or, uh, mold my writing and other creative things like film and playwriting to things to, to, uh, to kind of please or fit others' expectations. Right. And I, at some point I was like, actually, no, um, like this is boring and difficult and it's not satisfying. Right. I think, uh, you know, you don't have to show your writing to anyone. You can just do something because you love it and it makes you happy. Like it makes you happy. That's enough. And I think that just knowing that, it's your writing. It's your life. Trying to please others all the time is just going to get really exhausting um, and um, be feel unfulfilling. So kind of always remembering who you're writing for and, um, you know, who you're living for, because that's you. Yay. That's awesome. Thank you sure. so much, Sophie. Uh, where can people keep up with your adventures and new creations and all of that uh sure so yeah um actually um so my uh debut poetry book actually came out um recently um it's called sing yeah oh. it's called sing the birds home um it was actually the my first my debut poetry collection and it was published uh, by penmanship books as part of the los angeles county youth poet laureate program oh congratulations thank you yeah so uh that came out i um have copies i don't can i like promote myself <laughs> Absolutely, oh, okay, please. Cool. So yeah, so uh, my debut poetry book, Sing the Birds Home, uh, came out. And um, it's about like, queer identity, family, community, um, a lot of anger, um, fun anger. And uh, yeah, and I and I have copies um, um, available. So I guess, uh, 
for I guess for listeners I can put yeah, a link yeah sure yeah I can put a link in the show okay, notes yeah because I have a link yeah. to like my website um or just like an email okay. or something yeah so that's yeah, that. I can definitely sure do that. and yeah and my website just has everything so people can keep up with me there I guess okay all right. Yep. I will put those in the show okay. notes. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Sophie. Thank you. This was really fun and I'm glad it like all worked out. Thanks for listening to Chief Executive Ante. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe with your favorite podcast player and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That really helps get the word out about the show and provides the external motivation I need to keep going. You can find show notes, links, and other resources at chiefexecutiveante.com. That's chiefexecutiveauntie.com. Special thanks to Sue Ann Shaw for mixing and mastering this episode, composing the music, and generally being a good human. Alyssa De La Rosa for creating the branding and my distribution partner, Mochi Magazine. See you next time. Oh,